Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. that bass crashes in, you know it's time to begin. And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Native and Quip. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who isn't just a cardboard cutout in the stands. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Up top, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to all of the brave women and men um, battling the fires on the West Coast here in the United States, putting their lives on the line to save others in a truly honorable and um, scary profession. And thank you to them. And I hope everybody listening is safe and doing their part to um, stay that way. And also, you can go to vote.org to register and make sure you are registered to vote. Also, I'm so excited for what news drops right after we finish recording this episode, Jeff, because that has yeah, been... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there'll be some megatons. But yeah, I want to echo what you're saying. Obviously, I share those sentiments. I am sitting to you if you sound, or if I sound uh, slightly weird, or you hear stuff in the background, or I'm echoey, or just different. It's because I fled California this weekend. Um the uh, the air quality at my home uh, was listed as hazardous, which is above unhealthy and above very unhealthy. Uh, so my family and I fled to my in-law's house in Arizona. I'm sitting in my father-in-law's office right now uh, doing the show. So I hope you bear with any any kind of weird audio situation or maybe the show is Coming out a little later than you than you thought it would. I hope it doesn't. Hopefully everything will go smoothly in me delivering the show. But yes, of course, uh, anybody who is affected even worse than I am uh, with these incredibly devastating and horrific uh, wildfires that really just the entire western half of the United States is is ablaze. And um, we, our hearts go out. We are also uh, dealing with it in our small way. So. My goodness, uh, the whole, it's just, it's just one thing after another Christian and really the only bright spot in my life at this moment is 
video games. So it's good that we get to talk about video games because there's still a lot of exciting stuff to talk about, even if we'll be talking about things that happened moments after our episode released last week, because that is our, our MO. Uh, but the good news is we have a fantastic guest to do all of that with. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for delivering lines to camera because we have one of my absolute favorite hosts and pundits. You know her from Newegg and fandom and gosh, so many other places. One of my very favorite people in the world, Trisha Hirschberger is back with us. Hey, Trisha. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Christian. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm I'm with you. I, you know, there's so much going on in the world right now that I, I feel so fortunate that we have video games to delve into and escape from reality with. So let's talk about some games. Let's let's jump right in and start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It's also where you can send us any comments or questions about the show that you might have, or even reviews of games that you'd like featured on the show that we maybe are overlooking or have a different take than you. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send all of that stuff, and we love hearing from you. You can also hang out with a cool community of people in our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. But Trisha, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Oh, um, can we talk about the new Xbox news, the Series S and the Series X? Absolutely we can. Uh, This is... The official, uh, unofficially official and official (laughs) because it was leaked and unofficial, but now it's official. The Xbox is coming out. The Series X and the Series S, which just was revealed this week officially, although we'd been guessing about it and hearing rumblings about it for quite a while. But it is now official. There are two SKUs, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S. They both will be available worldwide November 10th. Pre-orders start September 22nd, and uh, the pricing and details are also available. Xbox Series X, $499, November 10th, $499 for the big Mama Jamma. Is that uh, exactly what I predicted? Weird. Anyway, go ahead. Keep going. It's fine. <laughs> well, I mean. Like over, like at the beginning, very beginning of the, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, let's keep going. Sounds good. I mean, I think, I think all of us would have. Anyway, did you predict that you could also pay $35 a month instead of the $4.99 and get both a subscription to Live Gold and Game Pass and an Xbox Series X? If I say That's- yes, will you go back and listen to the tapes to prove me wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course I will. Uh, but the uh, I think the, uh, the, real, the real surprise here, well, not surprise, we knew that the Xbox Series S was going to be a lower-priced console but it's quite a bit lower. In fact, uh, it is $299, the Series S. And you can also get that on a uh, monthly basis by paying $25 a month. Get your Series S with uh, the Xbox All Access Pass, Gold, and, uh, and um, Game Pass. Trisha, we can get into the specifics of how less powerful the Series S is. But firstly... 
Does this make you excited for the Xbox line? Do you think this is a good uh, choice for gamers with these big, this big price delta of, of $200 uh, difference between these two SKUs? And what do you think this means for holiday 2020? I love that the Xbox Series S as a SKU exists. Um, I know it's not been as popular with enthusiasts because a lot of us enthusiasts, we are kind of inundated with awesome hardware and specs. And not necessarily that we get to get hands-on with all those things, but when you're reading and comparing numbers, it is very easy to think higher is better. Um, But the reason that I love the Series S so much is, yes, that price point is super killer, but how many gamers out there and how many households out there have a 4K TV? How many of them are actually buying physical games? I even though, yes, it's very gamer hipster cool to say, I need my physical copy, I need my discs, and I need my 4K because we know that that technology exists. And now with the new 3000 series GPUs, we're even talking about 8K. Yes, all that is out there. But I think for the average household whose television max out at 1080p anyway, and are who getting the Game Pass deal, which Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate are the deal to get right now in gaming. It's such a killer value. Mm-hmm. Series S is going to sell like hotcakes. I think this was a really, really smart move on Microsoft's part. And one that I would venture to say Sony probably didn't see coming. It's, it's I think, very smart of them to differentiate it in the way that you're saying, Trisha, which is one is for 4K games and one is for 1080p games. And I think that's a really clever, uh, instantly understandable differentiation point for the average consumer. Because you're right, like you walk in and you go, well, there's this better one and this less good one and I kind of don't get it and I don't, what, which one do I need? And are all the games going to play? There's all these, you know, best buy employee questions (laughs) that, uh, that I think could get in the way. And I think the easy way for them to say it is what they seem to be saying which is what you said, which is, you know, 1080p versus 4K. And I think that's, I think that makes it clear. I think there will actually be a lot of benefits in addition to the 4K that the Series X is going to have, uh, you know, like, like the ray tracing and, and, you know, games that are backwards compatible, getting all kinds of new bells and whistles and stuff like that. Well, ray tracing, they've confirmed for the S, like, that's part of that cell. That's why I'm super curious to see how, and they've shown a little bit of gameplay on it, um, but I'm super curious as, we, you know, at launch and then a year in, if games start to, you know, drift, if or if it truly is just resolution, because, yeah, I mean, that's, it's wild. It's absolutely wild. No, you're right. I, I, I misspoke. You're right. It, both, uh, both boxes support ray tracing, both support instant game switching, variable rate shading, variable res- uh, refresh rate, uh, the ultra low latency. Um, so yeah, I mean, these, it's amazing what they're able to deliver, deliver at a low price point. And I think we've seen Sony and Microsoft both sort of concede the low price point, uh, entry point gamer profile to Nintendo for a long time. And it seems like at least Microsoft is going, no, I think we can compete for those people. Um, Christian, do you agree with Trisha that the S is going to sell like hotcakes, maybe even more than the X? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Microsoft has a horse in that race. I, it, I think it will come down to 
messaging and availability, at least for the initial release, as much as it does to consumer desire. I think initially we might see the X outsell the S um, because I think the hardcore enthusiasts will be the ones hitting F5 and you know doing what they need to do to, to get this thing first. But I think over the life cycle of the product, assuming it remains competitive and that there is that feature parity, then I think we will see that gap close. I think Microsoft likes that it's diskless um, and it keeps you, you know, buying your games from them through their store. It's wild to me that one of the places you'll be able to do, and we mentioned the $35 for the X, it's $25 for the S, $25 a month for two years for the console and um, Game Pass Ultimate, I believe. And mm-hmm. one of the partners that they announced where you can do that, pre-order it is GameStop, which if that's not a one nail additionally being added to GameStop's coffin where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will sell yeah. the console that does support <laughs> discs. The thing that puts us out of business. That yeah. comes with Game Pass. Yeah. So you won't even be buying. Yeah. Family, are you ready for the last hurrah? Because this is it. <laughs> um it's like the, the 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 buggy whip store selling you uh you know tires for your car. <laughs> you yeah. <know? laughs> yeah. But as as a as a household with very few Cade screens in it. Um, I think my monitor is, I, I think I have a very fancy monitor. Um, but it, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It, it, it makes a lot of sense if it is otherwise that parody that they've advertised is, is true. Um, it's a, it's a heck of a deal, my friends. It's a heck of a deal. Trisha, what about this subscription model? I mean, obviously, this is borrowed from cell phones where, you know, you get your, your AT&T service and you can get a phone thrown in the deal just because you're paying that monthly fee for two years or whatever it is. Uh, we've seen that for a long, long time in, in that, you know, field. Do you think this is long overdue for video games? Do you think this is actually going to be something that people do more than the one-time purchase? How do you see this affecting the marketplace? I think there's definitely a type of consumer that's going to jump for this. I mean, as you said, we've seen this with cell phones for a long time. Uh, We've seen even Disney with its annual passes move to this type of model. Um, When you offer someone something that's that easy to to get started on and, you know, put a toe in the water for just $25 a month or just $35 a month and they get all this value, I think that's very enticing to a lot of people. Um, me personally, as a consumer, would rather just buy the device because I know uh, I, I know how hard I'm going to run it into the ground. And you know, as right. an enthusiast, I, I feel very much like I want it to be mine. I want I want to possess my hardware. Um, but I don't think that everybody's going to feel that way. And I think it goes right in line with what Microsoft is doing with this entire generation of uh, this whole next gen console for them, where they really just want you to buy into Microsoft. They don't care what hardware you're buying into Microsoft on. In fact, I don't even think they care if they sell a lot of Xbox Series X or Xbox Series S because that's not the game they're playing. They are playing the long game. They want you to buy into the Microsoft ecosystem, whether it's PC, a next-gen console, a current-gen console. If you are down with Game Pass and Game Pass Ultimate, then you're in. Um, which I think personally, as someone who is a PC gamer, is a very gamer-friendly mindset of, you know, it's not really about the hardware anymore, especially as we start seeing uh, more cloud streaming 
as it, if it works as promised, I should say. Um, but as technology is advancing and as we're kind of moving in that direction, I think that's the smarter long-term play. Um, I do think Sony's going to sell so many PS5s um, because they're still going kind of the old school. These are our exclusives. You need to buy the next gen console to get access to these exclusives. Um, they're still going that strategy and the exclusives they're promising look amazing. Uh, but I do think that long term, Microsoft's strategy is really interesting, and um, and I think it might just pay off for them. Yeah, it does seem like every single decision that we've seen for this new generation upcoming is to make it easier and easier and easier for people to buy in, as you said, to the Microsoft ecosystem. It's lower the price of entry, make it accessible on multiple devices, just get you into their to their world of, of paying monthly, paying their subscription to the Game Pass, which we all agree is a fantastic deal. Are, are you convinced that even without a Halo this year that there's enough excitement? Around? I mean, are you going to get a an Xbox, Trisha? No, I'm a PC gamer. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, fair so enough. For me, I love the cross-platform play that Microsoft's been introducing. I do currently have an Xbox in my house. It's my living room machine. Um, whereas, but where I mean, where I prefer to play is in my gaming chair, in my battle station, uh, with my PC. So because I like to mod my own PCs, I'm already feeling the benefits of ray tracing and having a very beefy rig to play off of. Um, but for people that are console only gamers, seeing this kind of power to them come to them in console form, I think is very exciting. Um, I will probably upgrade eventually, but it's not that absolute need to pre-order because I'm already in the Microsoft ecosystem and I already feel very confident with the hardware I have. What about you guys? Are you buying in right away? I mean, I have a hard time not buying the new shiny thing, whatever it is. Uh, I have a hard time. You know, it's like, oh, what, what is it going pre-sale? Ah! Uh, I, have a, I have a hard time, but I, I think you make a really strong case. Now, let let me let me ask you this before we before Christian even answers. Does that mean you're also not getting a PlayStation Five? I mean, I might have to get the PlayStation Five for the exclusives. So, in the right? strategy, that's the rub, right? That's the right? rub. Is that Microsoft is saying, hey, if you're on a PC, we embrace you. It, you know, all this Game Pass stuff, Game Pass Ultimate works on PC. All our our First party exclusives are going to be on PC too. They're they're letting you just not get their console. And I I I totally think that's cool. And as you said, gamer friendly, but like this is the situation that we're in now. Well, yeah, because I don't think that Microsoft cares if you buy a next gen Xbox. I don't think they're looking at it the way we used to look at console releases, where it's like, which console wins? Whoever sells the most units is the winner of that generation. And I think Microsoft has taken that and thrown it completely out the window. They're not so even measuring that, success by that anymore. So does that mean that we, as people who talk about the gaming industry, need to throw out that paradigm as well? Do we need to stop even worrying about which box has more sales and NPDs and all that stuff? Is it Are we ha- going to have to shift our thinking as well? I mean, maybe. And then what would we shift it to? How many monthly users? Maybe. Yeah. I mean, the shift's already there. If you look at you know, uh, one example, Fall Guys... And people are talking about it, Steam sales, which are, it's selling very well on Steam, but it was given out for free on PlayStation Plus and that user base. And so what you're looking at is, is users and daily active users, monthly active users, 
Xbox has already talked about their product that way. If we have this many new subscribers to Game Pass or this many hours of Sea of Thieves were played by this many players. Like Microsoft doesn't care if Trisha buys the next Xbox console because she bought it two years ago and has been paying for it every month, right? Like, or whenever you started Game Pass, just like I have. We've already bought into that that idea and, and Microsoft's been getting our money uh, from the very beginning. I do think that we will see price increase to Game Pass over this course of this next generation. And I, I could see- Well, some- yeah, if you're, if you're talking five years of the generation, I think I think certainly we'll see a price increase, but and how soon Netflix, do you think that'll be? Right, like all that stuff, they get you in, you like it, you keep using it, you kind of become dependent on it, you know, air quote dependent on it, and then you stick with it. And Sony, yeah, they're going to sell more boxes, but are you going to subscribe to PlayStation Now or PlayStation Plus? You know, like uh, for me, a lot of the big Sony games are these amazing single player action games that I love. Oftentimes, many of my favorite games of the year, but I'm not a PlayStation Now subscriber. I'm not a PlayStation Plus subscriber. I'm buying their box maybe at a loss or close to. And then I'm buying some single-player games over the year. Is that the better business model than Microsoft having me paying them monthly and being the default home where I look to play all of my third-party games because it's on my PC, so I'm already always there? It's it's really fascinating. So let's have you answer Trisha's question then, Christian. Are you, are you go- going to get one of these boxes this no. year? No, and I really appreciate the pre-order date being after the uh, three thousand, you know, the thirty-eight. <laughs> the new Nvidia yeah. cards, yeah, Nvidia cards date. Like otherwise, I'd be like, oh, maybe I should in case I don't get yeah. the thirty-eighty I want, and I'd be hemming and hawing. But they, Microsoft, respectfully, <laughs> yeah. put their date after. So I, yeah, I now really, if you don't get a thirty-eighty, then you can get the Xbox, right? I, I'd get. I, I'll tell you if I do get one, it will be the S, almost out of curiosity more than anything else, but my TV is a 1080p screen. Um, and that'd be the one I'd buy, but I do not plan on buying on, on buying any of their boxes, and I don't think they care. It's interesting. We've seen some rumblings from game developers uh, since the S was announced saying that there is, you know, this is yet another target that has to be hit in order for you to put a game out on an Xbox, uh, Xbox system that you'd have to make sure the S can do it and can do it at a frame rate in uh, 1080p. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out as well, if that means there is now more of a delta between uh, of third parties between the systems where you, know, you only have to hit one target for PlayStation to put out a game on PS5. You have to hit these kind of two targets for Xbox. Who knows um, if that'll actually turn out to be something or, or nothing in the long run. But it's fascinating. And and like you say, Trisha, it is really changing the entire marketplace. It's changing the entire uh, hobby here in, in a really fascinating way. And I love, I love how Microsoft, this generation, especially in contrast to last generation, where the Xbox One launch seems so bungled in, in so many ways, um, that they seem to have a real clear sense of what they're doing and uh, there, there's a there's a confidence in the messaging. There's a confidence in the in the way this is all rolled out, except for the fact, of course, that they 
uh, got leaked and then the announcement happened at like midnight Pacific time on whatever day that was. They handled that beautifully though. For that launch to be that fumbled and for them yeah. to gracefully like parkour through it is so impressive <laughs> to me. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I do uh, wonder. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, please. Uh, I, I don't think the leak was planned per se, but I do wonder if it works out a little better for them, because originally it was supposed to be next week, or did Sony swoop in and put theirs on that date now because next week was became free, or this week when you're listening to this? Because um, if both of those things happened the same week, that's pretty. That's a bomb. That's E3, right? <laughs> like that's 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 the week. And I'm curious if Sony is like, if someone is yelling at an accountant, being like four ninety nine and ninety eight cents. Make it happen. <laughs> yeah. So we can say we're the cheaper console. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Uh, all right, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? I mean, it's that. It, it's, 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 it's the Xbox stuff. But I will then pitch to another story. But my favorite thing about the Xbox thing, and again, that's how they played it, where they were like, we had an Xbox One Series S sitting on Phil's, in Phil's background, you know, whatever it was, two months ago, and no one noticed. And it's like, it's kind of just a white square. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what we, yeah, we can't leave this topic without, without mentioning the look of this thing. Trisha, <laughs> I, I can't believe I even overlooked it. it. It is, um, you know, of course the series X we saw way back at the game awards, they debuted the big monolithic, you know, uh, what is it? I don't even know what it is. It's a big, big square. Refrigerator. It's a big refrigerator. Yeah. Tall refrigerator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this one much smaller footprint, white, and the big black circle of venting, I guess it is. Uh, what, what, what do you think, just from a purely aesthetic standpoint? Oh, well, I'm sure you've all heard the comparisons of them being a stove and a fridge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's the cool. Series S and the Series X. We've got a stove and we've got a fridge. Um, To me, when I first saw the Series X design, I was like, oh, it's a small form factor gaming PC. That's what it is. For That's sure. exactly what it looks like. It looks like a yeah. living room PC that you would build. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> again, I think that's super intentional on Microsoft's part. I think they are trying to make the hardware irrelevant and make it all the same thing because it's really all about buying into the software and the ecosystem. Did you get the white one or the black one? Which one did you get? It's so it's just a binary, uh, simplistic. Yeah, I, I'll buy it. Christian, what about you? What did you think of the look of the... I think it's exciting that the S is the, it's their smallest console ever. Um, I currently have an S, uh, Xbox One S here sitting next to me. And my guess is that it's, you know, about that same size, just minus my, I have a white S as I think most of them one S. Oof, you can't even shorthand like that anymore. But it's like mostly white, but then like there's like a black strip at the bottom, a little elevated thing. Um, it's, it's nice if they're able to pack that tech into that small of a, of a box. I think that's very appealing and I'd love, yeah, I'd love that I can take it camping and using it, use it as a cooktop too. You know, it's really yeah. nice. It looks great. It looks, I, I mean, mean, especially with how the thermals are probably going to run on that thing being yeah. that tiny. <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave a pan on it and I'll just make an egg. I'll keep gaming. I'll have my protein. Perfect. <laughs> I did see someone, uh, who had photoshopped that, that black circle with a gray Xbox X logo, the, the circular gem Xbox X logo. And, just tweeted out, see, was that so hard? And it is a kind of a no brainer to like put something on that big black circle. It's, it, I mean, it just seems so, so easy to just, 
your logo is already in this circular gem thing. I don't, I don't understand why you don't just brand it in some way, but um, maybe the minimalist thing fits more into a, a modern living room or, or kitchen, as the case may be. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, sorry, Christian Spicer, you were saying. Oh, I mean, the other story that uh, I think merits discussion this week is Ubisoft Forward. And there are kind of two parts to this discussion, I think. And it's the actual program itself. And then there's the, I don't even know if you call it a mea culpa, uh, but there's the address from the president, Yves Guillemot, that came before that was air quote, cut for time from the main presentation. It's like, you only have so much time on the internet, Christian. You don't, you know that. The internet is a, is a finite wrap, space. We got to wrap this show up. I uh, I didn't pay for extra time for this one. So, yeah. like, uh, Ubisoft, uh, apparently for years, maybe decades, has had a series of poor decisions going on. Um, and now they're trying to, to wrangle it into... One, backing up a little bit, I guess kudos for addressing it. And it seems to be that they're trying to address it seriously. I I don't know personally, but I have a hard time believing that uh, information all the way at the top didn't know about this stuff that was going on. I feel like at some point, if you don't know, it's willful ignorance and you should know. Um, But I guess good for them for addressing it now. I do think it's not the best form to release this as like its own sizzle trailer <laughs> before the, the the big thing that's going to get most of the eyeballs on i feel like if you're really serious about it you you put it in there and you're a little more forward about it and i find their reasoning was insulting that idea of it, this isn't a call of duty trailer where it shows someone walking and then in the interest of time it cuts to a firefight like this is your co- your company trying to get its hands around and own up to horrible horrible stuff that's been happening in it and that i had a bad taste in my mouth going into the actual presentation because i saw that was released separately but i will step back off my soapbox and see if maybe i'm overreacting or i'm curious trisha what your response was to that and 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 kind of how you felt about it going into the proper presentation i mean i feel like these companies put together their presentations so far ahead of time and then feel like if they want to do something that, you know, is more of a last minute decision like this kind of thing, it's just slapped on the beginning or the end, which as people who work as content creators for a living, it's not that hard to edit it somewhere in the middle. Like just, just put it into the overall presentation, but we never really see that. So to what you were saying, Christian, it does kind of make it feel like it was an afterthought or like it was slapped on or not given the same weight as the rest of the presentation, which does leave a bad taste in people's mouth. I agree with that. I, I also agree with the fact that it was, you know, really good of them to to address it at all. And I'm glad that they did because I think otherwise that's what a lot of us would have had in our minds going through the entire presentation. Um, and maybe some still did. Uh, I don't know that there's a best case scenario way to deal with these kind of problems. But I hope that, I hope that Ubisoft figures it out. Yeah. Jeff, did you have a reaction to that first part before we dive into the, the actual presentation or the games or anything? We haven't around yeah, Ubisoft, but how did, this was them addressing it publicly. It's, uh, I, I'm definitely have two minds about it as well. I think it's good that they addressed it and they didn't just sweep it under the rug, but it was kind of crappy that they swept it under the rug. Right. Like it's, it, they addressed it, but then it was like, ah, we didn't do it in the main thing that everybody watched, 
which is it, it just it's bonehead move and undercuts their own their own uh, addressing of it. They, you can't say, "Hey, we're going to make this a priority," and yet make it the last priority in your front-facing big. You know, you're calling the thing Ubisoft forward, right? This is like how we're going to move forward in our company. That should be the biggest part of the show is, is, hey, we want to make our company better and here's how and here's why and here's what we're doing. I, I don't know. I, I understand wanting to keep the, quote, focus on games, which is such a silly concept in and of itself because the context of all of this stuff is never just the games anyway. It's a whole lot of other things. And it wouldn't have been difficult, as Trisha said, for them to put it in the, pre- the presentation proper. But I'm glad that at least they have uh, woken up to the fact that this is uh, unacceptable and that it's important for them to be better. So one hopes that they follow through and it isn't just lip service. Yeah. Um, and then in the actual presentation, you know, we, we saw some games. Um, I will be honest, I, when I saw the headlines, it was like Gods and Monsters is now Immortals Phoenix Rising. And I thought that was the whole title of the game. <laughs> I was like, that is the <laughs> longest title for a game. <laughs> so like, Gods and Monsters colon Phoenix Rising. I was like, okay. But no, Gods and Monsters has been renamed it hadn't been seen for a while to me this was the biggest we can talk about the other stuff too but uh, prince of persia remake scott pilgrim's back watchdogs legion gets the character that no one cares about added to it um and uh their snowboard game uh they totally changed the name of it and made a sequel but they called it something different um <laughs> but gods and monsters wasn't around for christian a cynical look at the news <laughs> i love it <laughs> It's Please recap called... every gaming soccer <laughs> conference from now on. <laughs> Xbox did a thing that had a cool trailer and Keanu Reeves was there. Like that's, those are the takeaways, right? I just need, just give me the highlights. Give me the executive summary. Um, but Immortals, colon Phoenix Rising, I think was the big winner of this thing. And I guess a bunch of people had, had some hands on with it. And it looks, Jeff, looks like Jeff, you might have a new game of the year. Am I reading this right? This looked right up your alley. It does look like something I'm uh, I'm very much excited for. I, I said last week on the show, like, oh man, Spellbreaker is so beautiful and the universe is so cool. Wouldn't it be great if there was actually a like third person role-playing game slash action adventure that looks like this? It's like, oh, uh, did you mean Immortals Phoenix Rising? Because that's coming out. Uh, very similar, uh, which is very exciting to me. Uh, it also looks very much like... Uh, Breath of the Wild, right? It, it, we have, I, I tweeted this, but I, I think we now have officially Breath of the Wild likes, right? This is a Breath of the Wild like game, uh, which, I mean, it uses almost all of the innovations from Breath of the Wild. And they're very upfront about that. They're not trying to hide it. The developers have have said we are very influenced by Breath of the Wild. And so should they be. Why not be influenced by one of the most, uh, you know, innovative and popular games of a generation? But it, it it borrows the stamina meter. It borrows the the you know sort of shrines as puzzle rooms. Uh, it borrows that big open world map. It, it it is very much trying to do that in a slightly different milieu. And I you know I say bring it on. It looks great to me, Trisha. What did you think of Immortals: Phoenix Rising? Um, so I actually got some early hands on time with it. I got to play oh, it for about nice. yeah. I got to play it for about nice. two hours. 
Um, and my thought the entire time playing it was, oh, Breath of the Wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, cool, you're though. playing Breath of the Wild, but with Greek mythological creatures and Greek deities. Huzzah. Um, yeah. The combat is a little trickier, I would say, than Breath of the Wild. So it was taking me a bit of time to get hands on with that. And some of the puzzles that I encountered, at least in the demo that we were allowed to play in the preview, um, some of the puzzles were incredibly complex and intricate where I thought, you know, it would probably take me 45 minutes to an hour to go through all the different, because there's so many different sections of specific wow. puzzles. Um, but yes, I mean, they're called vaults instead of shrines. You have the same or a similar type of objective where you want to climb up to someplace high so that you can, uh, you know, look out and mark spots that you want to go to. Um, you have a mount you can ride around this absolutely stunningly beautiful world. Uh, some of the differences, I would say, it does not appear from the portion that I've played that the weapons or armor will break down over time. They don't seem to have durability. Yeah. So you won't huzzah. have to worry about that. Yeah, huzzah, indeed. That was one of my least favorite parts about Breath of the Wild. Um, so that's really exciting. And uh, yeah, they do, they borrow the stamina meter, just like you said. And um, the, the other big difference I would say is the skill tree seems to be really complex for the character of Phoenix because you have not only your more traditional ability skill tree, you also have abilities that are bestowed upon you from the gods that you collect kind of throughout the game. And you can use the lightning of Zeus to uh, to upgrade your stamina and you know various things you collect throughout the game to upgrade your more supernatural and God-given abilities as well. Um, so yeah, it, it seemed very fun. And the entire time, all I could think was Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and I guess that's, you know, not a bad thing, right? You want to be referencing a game that is beloved and excellent. Um, and if it can, if it can live up to that comparison, if it can actually, you know, com compare favorably to one of the, you know, greatest games of a generation, then <laughs> why not? I suppose. Um, so your, from your playtime with it, Trisha, did you, a lot of people were theorizing that it was Breath of the Wild sort of meets Assassin's Creed. Did you see any Assassin's Creed DNA there? Or do you think it's, it, it hues much closer to just straight up Breath of the Wild? I mean, I saw a lot of people online saying this is Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, you know, they, I'm sure they used a lot of the historical research that they used to create Odyssey in this. But whereas Odyssey is a more realistic and historical presentation of that period of time, if you will, this is much more of a kind of cheeky humorous, um, like they're, they're going for a very different tone with this, which I think is why I didn't immediately make the connection to Odyssey. Hmm. And how did it look in person? Were you uh, impressed visually with it? I mean, Breath of the Wild is, is a beautiful game in its own way, but it's also on Switch, right? This is a game that's coming to more powerful consoles. Did you see a, a lot to sort of dazzle the eye? It, I mean, it looks very cartoony. It's very much, it's very much in that more Breath of the Wild style. Um, there are some sweeping landscapes, like in Breath of the Wild, where you're like, "Wow, that's really stunning the way that they did that." But it's certainly no Ghost of Tsushima when you look at right. the landscape. Okay. Well, I definitely am excited for it. Uh, what do you think? What do you guys think of the the name change? I mean, 
it seems like it could have very well been gods and monsters colon Phoenix rising, right? I don't understand why we had to go to immortals. Maybe they weren't getting the SEO they wanted from gods and monsters. Cause there's a movie with Ian McKellen, uh, that's called that. I don't, I don't know. I, I just feels, I feel like the, the title is not as good in my opinion. Yeah, that move made very little sense to me because I feel like when Gods and Monsters was a thing people were talking about, it was spoken about very favorably and there was a lot of hype and, you know, every every big conference people were like, but what about Gods and Monsters? Right. So to change the name feels a little bit like they're losing some of that traction. And at least in my preview, they were, you know, a little, um, a, a little leaning towards the side of please don't refer to this as the game formerly known as Gods and Monsters. This is the new <laughs> name now. Ooh, and it's yeah. like, really? Why would you just throw that out? That seems like a good thing for this title. Yeah. It, it, has yeah. To be, it had to be legal. Some, like Phoenix Immortals and then Phoenix, I'm assuming that's the character's name, the way it's spelled. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. It had, you know, the branding, long-term branding, getting the character's name in there so that we're used to it. But I'm kind of shocked that it happened, you know, after the first reveal, which I think seems seems interesting. Maybe Skull and Bones comes back as like ship fight Brody on the seas or something. I don't know. Well, the line the line they gave us in the press preview was that before it was more focused on using the awesome power of the gods and fighting your classical Greek monsters like the Minotaur and the Cerberus, etc. But since then, they had really fleshed out who the main character is and what the main character's journey is, and it had become something different. Um, and that that's that was the reason for the name change because the new name better reflects what the game has become. Well, at least there's never been a popular, well-known video game character named Phoenix with an F. Yeah, that, there's no confusion <laughs> there. At least uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll all be safe. Uh, all right, lots more uh, from Ubisoft Forward for us to get to, but I want to thank our first sponsor right now, which is Native. Oh my goodness. Uh, Native is my deodorant. I've been using it for several months now. Uh, why? Because I kind of care what's in stuff that I put on my body. And uh, Native is upfront with their ingredients, they never use ingredients like aluminum or parabens or sulfates or talc, they have uh, ingredients that you've heard of. Uh, Stuff like coconut oil, shea butter, tapioca starch. It's also vegan and never tested on animals. So I can be confident uh, that it's actually, you know, humane. But to be quite honest with you, the real reason is I like how it smells. And they have a lot of really great uh, scents. Uh, they have really something for everybody. Uh, their most popular classic scents are coconut and vanilla, lavender and rose, cucumber and mint, which is the one that I keep coming back to. I really like it. Uh, and citrus and herbal. I, uh, I've been, I've tried all of them. I think the coconut and vanilla is really pretty great too. But uh, the one I, I tend to find myself uh, turning to most often is the cucumber and mint. But they also have these uh, these these scents that are are limited uh, and seasonal, so you can always check out the new versions of Native to get a uh, a scent maybe that's a little more more out of the norm. It's cool. They have uh, these rotating seasonals, they call them, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it's risk free to try, so why not give it a shot? Every product comes with free shipping in the U.S. plus uh, free thirty day returns and exchanges, and you can see for yourself why so many people love Native and why it has received over 14,000 five-star reviews. 
like I said, I've been using native for a long time. My wife actually has stolen a couple of, uh, of my, my sticks of native, uh, and used them herself as well. Cause she likes how they smell. It's great. So do what I did. Make the switch to native today by going to nativedo.com slash DLC and use promo code DLC at checkout. You'll get yourself 20% off your first order. That's native and then D-E-O. That's the, the first part of deodorant. So nativedo.com slash DLC or use promo code DLC at checkout for 20% off your first order. Check it out. I, I think you'll like how it smells. I think you'll like how it makes you feel. All right, Christian, you, uh, you did cover in your own special way Thank all you. of the different, uh, all the different uh, announcements at Ubisoft Forward, but I think there's a few others that deserve being delved into a little bit more, including Prince of Persia is back. The Sands of Time is getting remade. Now, this is not just a remaster with uh, upresing. It's actual, they're using the term remake, and they showed off a new trailer. It's coming to PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on January 21st, 2021. What did you think of the trailer, Trisha? First, I should ask you, I guess, uh, did you play the original game? And, and if so, did you like it? I never owned the original game. So I was around while other people were playing the original game. Uh, right. And I enjoyed watching the bits that I watched, but it, it doesn't have the same nostalgic resonance with me that I feel like it does with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a similar a similar reaction to, I think, what I was seeing the majority in chat watching it live, which is, you know, these graphics look two generations ago and this is supposed to come to next gen consoles, what gives. Um, but I'm curious to ask you guys if either of you did play the original to a great extent, did the graphics feel reminiscent of the original? And maybe that's why that artistic choice was made. Certainly. I mean, it, it looks as so many of these remakes do, uh, except for the ones that are really go for it, you know, but so many of these games, it, it looks like I remember the game looking, you know, because mm-hmm. in my head, it looked like that. And then you go back and you look at screenshots, you're like, oh, God, no, it didn't look anything like that. They've done a lot of work on this. But in your head, you're like, oh, yeah, no, that looks like Prince of Persia Sands of Time, which is a game I absolutely loved at the time. And I'm kind of excited to replay it. Christian, how about you? Are you, are you Were you disappointed by the look of this remake or did you did you play the old game? What What's your feelings? Played it, loved it. All of them. I played them on GameCube. Big fan of that of that series, even the dark middle chapter with, you know, bangs in his eyes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I could, I got behind it. You know, we were both listening to Thursday at the same time and we were both <laughs> creaming our way through um, time travel. Um, I, I I am not excited about this remake. I, I, I want a new Prince of Persia. For whatever reason, replaying this game doesn't seem exciting to me. I think some games like Halo, where the combat is a little bit more of a sandbox, are a little more enticing. You're and, saying you need a combat to have been, I don't know, evolved. Uh, I think more it needs to be Immortal <laughs> colon Rising for me to get excited. Ah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Very well done. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, That's the thing. It, if maybe they gave it like Batman combat, like the combat in the originals was good, but I think third person action combat has kind of moved past that now. Um, I'm not, I'm not super excited about it. I want, I want a new game in the franchise and this well, remake is this what gets us that is this what is this this game this remake doing well 
Does that get us the new game of the franchise? Is this a stopgap to the new game of the franchise that's two years out? I mean, it, it, it may very well be, but I I hope I'm wrong then if that's the case, but I don't think this game will do particularly well because while I do think it looks kind of like how I remember the original looking, you know, this is going to be coming out a few months after the new consoles are out and we're seeing uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales and we're seeing maybe ray tracing on ratchet and clank and we're seeing other ubisoft games <laughs> you know yeah. we're seeing valhalla and some of these other games that they're doing and i i, I don't think people are going to be super excited about this remake coming out in january which is like a little bit of a weird time i know capcom has had some success with that date before too um with remakes with remakes but those were bigger like after seeing that style of remake if it's not tony hawk pro skater one and two or Resident Evil 2, I have a hard time getting out of bed for it, you know? Like, we've been spoiled by incredible, incredible remakes lately, and from what I saw of this, Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake doesn't seem to be at that caliber, in my opinion. I don't know. I love that game. I'm excited to replay it. We'll see what the price point is. I don't think they mentioned the price point, but maybe it'll be low enough that it could be like an impulse buy type of a situation. And I, the game in the series, honestly, that I love the most, and I think a lot of people deride as not being as good as as these the first three, is the Prince of Persia with no subtitle that they did. The I think it's the most the most recent one. I loved that one, that sort of cell shaded one where you can't die because the the girl always comes and grabs you and, and picks you up. Ah, so so good. It's so good. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see that game remade, but I I'm with you, Christian. I hope that there's new Prince of Persia. I think it's a franchise that's long overdue for a return. And I think, I think I'm hoping that that's what this signals is that that's what's coming. I mean, I'd love them just to merge it already. Like people said, Oh, well, Prince of Persia, we quit getting cause Assassin's Creed took off, but Assassin's Creed now has just become like historical fun adventures, which I know they still kind of like will tie into future stuff, but just give me like, assassin's creed colon prince of persia <laughs> like, just let them let them let them meld already no i th- i like prince of persia being a, f- a full-on platformer that's what was so great about that last prince of persia is that they went eh, combat isn't the best part of this game let's just focus on making this the most wild over the top like vertical and horizontal platformer that we can where you're bouncing off walls and you have it's almost like a rhythm game I, I dug that. I thought that was really fun. It's just this like parkour simulator almost. Um, I'm into it. Uh, but but you mentioned Assassin's Creed. We also, I guess somebody got my letters because I've been writing furiously, uh, <laughs> trying to get somebody to delay their game between Valhalla and Cyberpunk. <laughs> <laughs> and they took, they went the opposite direction. Uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla moving up a week coming out on November 10th instead of the 17th now to coincide with the Xbox Series S and Series X launch. And Destiny, uh, right? Both are now launch titles for that console. Those are big. Yeah, yeah. Destiny's included on Game Pass. It's big. It's big. Uh, Trisha, any any thoughts about, uh, are you planning to play both those games, Cyberpunk and Valhalla? Just too close. They're just too close for me. I'm honestly probably going to dive into Cyberpunk um, and hold off on Valhalla only because... The thing that I really adore about Assassin's Creed games is being sneaky, sneaky town. Mm -hmm. Um, And Vikings are not sneaky, sneaky town. 
Well, maybe that's they are now. Maybe combat style. Like they pillage, <laughs> they plunder, they go in, uh, axes out and flames a blazing. Like, you know, uh, so yeah, it, imagine it, if they weren't being sneaky. That is sneaky for them. You know? <laughs> want to see a Viking not sneaky, Trisha. It's, <laughs> it's bad. It's I guess, yeah, I just, I don't know how we're going to have a Vikings Assassin's Creed and it's going to feel like an Assassin's Creed game. That's, you know, that's my biggest thing. So I think I will probably hold off on that to see what other people think of it while I'm immersing myself in cyberpunk. You guys? Well, now that it's coming out a week earlier, uh, it's all, it's very, I'm very, my heart is torn. In, in two different directions. Cause these are easily my two most look forward to games of the year. Uh, so, and now they're happening so fast and they're so both so enormous that it's just like, there's not enough time. And then December 3rd is God's or not God's monsters. I can't say that is a mortals Phoenix rising. And there's like all these huge things, all the clustered together that are all 50, hundred hour experiences. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't. I feel like cyberpunk is the zeitgeist. It's the unknown. So as long as it hits the way people expect it to, I think that's where I'm going to want to spend my time. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla will be 30 or $20 very soon. And I'm sure incredible. And then I'll try to fit that into when there's a lull in my gaming. But I, I feel like I know what that is going to be already, which is a very stealth based Viking game. Uh (laughs) How does that happen? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it, it's you know whatever it is it's it's kind of the known quantity and cyberpunk remains this you know mystery that i've seen around the street corner and then i get close and it runs away and i want to i want to dive in hopefully with a new gpu as well <laughs> yeah yeah let's also hope for that well I, I guess we shouldn't leave this topic without mentioning riders republic which is the new game from the developers of steep uh, I guess they could have gone with Steep 2, but Writer's Republic is the new title of this, uh, which is centered around America's national parks and doing extreme s- sports on bikes and skis and snowboards and wingsuits and rocket wingsuits and all kinds of uh, fun, cool things. Uh, any any interest in this, Trisha? Is this this is the cool? I mean, Steep has a, a pretty devoted uh, audience, I think. Uh, I think it does have a very devoted audience. I unfortunately am not their target consumer (laughs) for these games. I am not good at physical sports in real life. I don't enjoy playing them in my video games. Uh, I would much rather have some type of supernatural power on an epic adventure in a fantasy land I could never get to in real life than do some kind of, you know, physical X game in, in the beautiful world that I currently live in. Now, that being said... So many people are stuck inside and can't do this type of physical activity that if you are someone that enjoys doing this in real life, I could really see the appeal of this much in a like Microsoft Flight Simulator kind of way um, where it just helps you get out and see the beauty of nature at a time that you might not be able to. But it's not for me, so I won't be playing it. Christian, you love an X game. Interested in Writer's Republic at all or no? I do love an X game. I'm not super interested in this game. Steep was a game that I played at e3 whatever that first year and i was just like no they didn't nail this and then i think it came to game pass came somewhere free and i got it again i was like yeah i still don't love this i think if writers republic takes off uh i would guess it's it taps into um their their large like royale style races you know like it they embrace the fall guys ish of it and i think then there could be something very frenetic and cool if that 
captures people's imaginations, but I'm also not exactly sure what, what the game is, is trying to be. Um, like am I stunting or am I going fast or does like doing stunts help me pick up speed because that's not how it works. <laughs> um, you know, unless it's like SSX, which isn't real. Um, I, I'm going to keep my eye on it, but I'm not, you know, looking to, you know, add it to my steam save game page or something like that. Wish list. Well, it is coming to stadia Christian. So there's that. What is uh, and, oh, that was that thing I used to like a lot. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, February 25th is when it will be released on really every console known to man um, and every store known to man. All right. Uh, that, well, I guess I have to do my story of the week, but I it, you, there really isn't anything that compares to what you guys brought up. Um, although I just do think it's interesting to note the leaks this week. Uh, we already talked about the leak that forced Microsoft into announcing the S and the pricing stuff a little early. Uh, Trisha mentioned how deftly they handled that. That wasn't the last leak from Microsoft. They actually, someone actually leaked their entire virtual press briefing, which was going to announce all of that. They had already recorded and edited and built and somebody leaked it online. Uh, They're not even using it, uh, which is pretty wild to see that. Um, It basically had all the information that we've already seen. Uh, but also Sony had a leak, uh, including the, the the contents of the box for the PlayStation 5, uh, the two SKUs of the PlayStation 5, the SKU with physical media drive and one without. Uh, you'll get a DualSense controller, which is a fancy new uh, rumbly and all new ways controller, uh, a base to, to you know set it on in different configurations, uh, HDMI cable, power cord, U- USB cable. Uh, also notes that there is an 825 gigabyte SSD drive and uh, Astro Playroom installed on both systems. So uh, everybody's got leaks. I don't even know how much we need to talk about that, but interesting that uh, all of this information is coming out. All right. That yeah, wasn't really a story. It was just me filling in. The big stories were the two big stories. So let's get to the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. All right, Trisha, what have you been playing this week? Um, well, I've been playing my fair share of Fall Guys, kind of like everybody else, but the, the bigger titles that I've been playing, or I should say that I've been sinking more time into Fall Guys than uh, have been Tell Me Why, the newest mm. one from Don't Nod entertainment yeah yeah so uh it feels very much like a don't nod game if you liked life is strange one and two and you like the adventures of captain spirit and you know you're into that type of uh very emotionally and socially impactful narrative genre game then you will like tell me why uh, it's it's very much in that vein i'm a huge fan of don't nod games so i was very excited to try it out i just finished streaming Chapter two, it's a three chapter game. And I just finished streaming chapter two this morning of the day that we're recording this. Um, mm-hmm. So I have one more chapter to get through, but it, it's very compelling. So tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is it? Do you think it, it expands on the things that Don't Not has done before? Or is it just another different story in a storytelling uh, type of game that, that tells stories well? I'm still not 100% sure if this exists within the same fictional universe as the other Don't Nod games. Um, 
they they all have up until this point. There have been some Easter eggs that made me think of Life is Strange, but I don't know if there's been anything specifically that said this is definitely the same universe. Um, but it's it's just it's done really well. If you like that genre and you like the way that Don't Nod normally does things, this will be right up your alley. However, I know this genre of game is not for everybody. Some people find narrative storytelling in games like this very, very uh, much so a slog to get through. But the storytelling of this one in particular is very murder mystery esque, in that for me, I keep finding myself having to come back in to say, "But what happens next?" Mm, which is great. the mark of any good storytelling. Um, yeah. So I'm super enjoying it and I would highly recommend it. Each chapter is about three hours to play through. So the total game would be about nine hours long. Um, but each chapter is its own kind of self-contained mini story, if you will, complete with cliffhanger at the end to keep you coming back for more. So that's been really nice. I've been really enjoying that. Um, have either of you had that on your radar or wish lists at all? Uh, a little bit. I, I, I am. I have to admit, I uh, did not fall in love with either of the previous Don't Nod games, but um, I definitely admire this this use of the medium to to tell stories. I just, it's just not. It does feel a little slow to me, to be quite honest. Christian, yeah. Um, for whatever reason, I w- was aware of this before it came out, and now I'm like, oh, it just kind of slipped. Like Avengers and Tony Hawk were like are my September more or less. And, and then maybe there'd be time in October, but then Nintendo re-released three Mario games that I'm going to play through again. So I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I totally get it. I should also mention that tell me why is part of game pass. So if you have game pass or game pass ultimate, you have this game already for free. Well, there's that. That's always a good thing. You have it, play it. The other thing I've been playing is the new uh, AWE DLC for remedies control. Yeah, which Christian is the DLC that fully ties together the universe of Alan Wake and the universe of Jesse Faden and Control. And as someone who's a big fan of Remedy Games and has been for a long time, I love seeing this. Um, I'm not completely through it, and I've definitely heard critics say it's not as good as the foundation, the previous Control DLC, but I'm enjoying it as a fan of Remedy's you know, fictional universe in general. Yeah, I loved it. I, I found it a little shorter than the foundation for me to get through. I didn't do all of the uh, optional quests in AWE, but I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. I like how it kind of changed the pace for parts a little bit. I like how it connected to Alan Wake, but it also wasn't like, and after New Nightmare, this is what happened. You know, it wasn't like a direct sequel, but it, the way it connected those worlds, I found fascinating. I thought the writing again was phenomenal. I loved picking up all of the the memos and reading through them and seeing how big this uh, remedy shared universe is and can be like, you know, they've multiversed, right? Like they, everything can connect now. And I, I, I love that gameplay. I liked the new power. I liked the new gun um, or I guess transition change of firearm um, I thought it was just another another home run. I think the only knock I have against it is, I guess, what happened on PlayStation, where I don't think that's a remedy thing, but it was like people that bought the see like the complete edition all of a sudden got the new edition, uh, which then becomes next gen capable. Which before five hundred five or whomever was like, it's impossible, and then someone flipped the impossible switch, for, for <laughs> and then quickly flipped it back. Um, 
but that has nothing to, to do with the, the content itself. I, I absolutely loved AWE. I thought it was so fun. Hey, Trisha, let me ask you a little bit about Fall Guys, because um, I'm wondering, we talked last week about the the season two uh, announcement with the medieval stuff. Do you see that game having long legs? Do you think, uh, no pun intended with the little characters, but the, do you think the, uh, the you, you see yourself being being into that game, you know, four months from now, six months from now, a year from now, do you think you'll be playing it a long time or is it kind of just the game of the moment? I mean, it's definitely a game of the moment for a lot of people. I think for me, it will probably sit somewhere alongside an Overcooked where when I get the opportunity to stream with friends and we want to talk about what game we want to stream together, this is a top contender. And I think I think it's because it, yes, involves skill, but there's also a lot of randomness and the game itself is set up to have funny moments happen. It is right. set up so that at least once a stream, you have that moment of, I can't believe this just happened, which makes <laughs> for a very entertaining stream um, and just a very entertaining time playing with your friends. It's, you know, like I said, there's definitely skill involved and you can see the people that kind of get into the final round time after time after time, but it can be your very first time playing and you can have beginner's luck and get a crown or you can be someone who has been an absolute champ who gets eliminated in the first round because of a string of bad luck. And I think that, you know, that, that tendency to kind of put everyone on a very similar playing field through this game has helped contribute to its success, especially in the streaming world. So, you know, will it be the top contender forever and ever and ever? I have no idea, but I know that I will probably always think of it fondly, much like I do in Overcooked. Have you guys been playing a lot of Fall Guys? I played it and and loved uh, the you know the the fun goofy moments that I had with it, but I also immediately was like, okay, I I, I get this. I don't. This isn't something I'm just going to return to again and again and again. I I totally appreciate it, and I think it's a brilliant idea, very well executed, and I see why it's so fun, especially for streamers. And it's a great a great uh, spectator game as well. But for me, I was just like. It, this is just not how I want to spend my gaming time, which is more and more precious to me. I'm the, the, the wackiness is wonderful, but also frustrating in certain ways for me. And I'm just like, okay, no, I I appreciate this game and I can kind of move on and play something else. That's fair. Yeah. I don't think Christian, you haven't even tried it, right? Yeah. I have not touched it. I have it downloaded. I've kind of just accepted that I prefer, um single player games and i do i think if i was streaming more or had friends um it is a game that i could enjoy playing with them as like this pick up and repeat kind of thing but that's aside from i guess rocket league or Fortnite, i got into for a while pretty hard um but that's not what i'm looking for in, in my gaming right now and i've kind of become comfortable with that which is so weird because for the longest time this was like exactly the kind of game that you went back to over and over again you were like mr Mr. Fortnite, Mr. PUBG, Mr. These kinds of games. And you just sort of transitioned away from them. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm looking for a different type of escapism now, you know, <laughs> like I want to yeah. get sucked into a world and a story and, and less about, um, I mean, I guess the, the version of this that I am playing is my one up arcade Miss Pac-Man. Like I, I go to that a lot <laughs> and I walk over and just play that for a little bit and then walk away and I love it. All right, well, before we get to your playlist, Christian, I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Quip. Oh, my goodness, I love my Quip. I love my Quip. Uh, and there is a new, new 
Quip product. <laughs> it says, when was the last time you got rewarded for brushing your teeth? Well, with Quip's new smart electric toothbrush, good habits can earn you great perks like free products, gift cards, and more. You know, you've definitely heard me talk about Quip a million times because I love my Quip. As I said, we have three Quips in my house. I am now, uh, as I also mentioned at the top of the show, away from home right now, packed my Quip, couldn't leave home without it. It packs in its own cool little carrying case that comes with it. Uh, it's just so easy to bring along. Uh, but this is something brand new. This is something Quip is doing that's brand new that now uh, rewards you and your mouth. The Quip Smart Brush for both adults and kids connects to the Quip app and does so with Bluetooth. And it tracks when and how well you brush. You get tips and coaching to improve your habits. You can earn points for daily brushing and bonus points for completing challenges like streaks and redeem those points for rewards like free products, gift cards, and discounts from Quip and from Quip partners. This seems like the perfect thing for my now four-year-old son uh, to get him to... uh, you know, gamify his oral hygiene. You can also upgrade your Quip. If you already have a Quip, you can upgrade it with a smart motor and keep the features that you know and love, the sensitive sonic vibrations, the two-minute timer with 30-second pulses for guided clean, and the slim and lightweight and sleek uh, way that the, the, the Quip has no charger. It's just wonderful. The multi-use travel cover that I mentioned. Um, it's... Great. They also have uh, mint or watermelon toothpaste that you can have delivered to you every three months in part of your package to make sure that you're always getting a new bristle head, new floss, a new eco-friendly solar battery to, uh, to make sure that you power your Quip with sunshine. Also the refresh bag. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. So you can get all of that stuff delivered for five bucks Every three months, and shipping is free. Super smart. Join the over 5 million mouths who use Quip and save hundreds compared to other Bluetooth brushes when you get a Quip smart brush for just $45. So start getting rewards for brushing your teeth today. Go to getquip.com slash DLC right now and get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash DLC. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash dlc quip better oral health made simple and rewarding all right christian spicer what is on your playlist it has been marvel's avengers which um i have now finished the main campaign and played a little bit of um end game not end game like the story from the movie but post campaign (laughs) wish content that would be nice um, and I should start by saying, I mean, I think I've said this before. We probably talked about this. Uh, streaming regularly is very difficult. People make it look easy. It is a job. I have not been good with it. Um, I was trying to stream nine, at least nine to 11 every day. Um, and also encouraging people to go to vote.org to register and make sure that they are registered to vote. Um, so I, I cannot detach my impressions of the campaign and the game from my experience trying to stream it playing on PC. And I have to imagine that some of this is user error on my part. I I don't, I don't know. I could not get this game to stream audio out via my Elgato wavelength 
which is the software that comes with the Wave 3 mic, and I believe the Wave 1 as well. Every other game that I've tried, I haven't tried every game, but every other game I've tried, Steam, Epic Game Store, uh, Game Pass on the uh, Xbox app, seamless. I, I know how to do it. It works just fine. Avengers, for whatever reason, would not, would not stream out that audio that way. I'd get the comic book page flip at the beginning and then nothing else. So then I would take it out of Wavelink, not use Wavelink, and just stream it the way you would normally through OBS. I was using OBS anyway, but you know, if you're familiar with it, creating its own audio channel on OBS, and half the time it would work, and the other half the time it would echo itself, maybe, only on stream, not to my headphones that I could hear, and I would go into the monitor mode and listen to it, and it would be fine there as well. So I, I don't, there's... You know, that's the beauty and the beast of, of PC gaming. <clears throat> it, I, I don't There's know. There's got to be like thousands of people that are streaming that game, right? Probably. And they're, they're probably on PCs and theirs is working. I don't, I don't know. What I did read is that apparently for a lot of people, and I found other support and like, I guess like, just like come hug each other virtually support groups for this. Um, it just spikes CPU usage. So I think maybe off stream, Trisha, I hope I'm not saying something not public. You you have a two computer setup, which is chef's kiss. Beautiful for streaming. It helps lighten the workload of one uh, computer. Totally. I'm, on, I'm on one computer. And so all I could think is because my CPU was getting run so ragged from Avengers that it was causing the audio problem. But I, I don't know why it would do it half, you know, sometimes and not other times. And and sometimes it'd be like after a load and then other times it was right when I started the game and I couldn't, I'd switch to Tony Hawk and it'd be fine. And I'd come back and it would still be doing it. Um, super annoying and and hard to troubleshoot. Like when I'm trying to be playing it, <laughs> you know, and be live. Um, and then I played it without streaming as well. And yeah, there were moments in the game where my CPU usage just skyrocketed up to almost a hundred percent. And like it seemed to be during cutscenes and load sequences, and it seemed like a, several other, if not a lot of other people, were complaining about this on forums as well. And I, I can't, I don't know if it's just a poorly optimized port. I turned off like the Intel <clears throat> co-developed like water effects and I think destruction effects that the game offers to see if that would fix it. It didn't. Um, and, and so I can't separate my play experience from my frustrations with that. I'm going to try to, but I'd be lying if I said that that didn't somehow, you know, impact my impression of the game. Uh, I believe I texted you this pretty soon after I finished the campaign, Jeff. I find it to be such an average game. It's so disappointing to me. There are flashes of greatness and moments where I was like, this is awesome. Yes, this is what it should be. And then there are just these decisions of like, the what I think is supposed to be the end game content, or maybe they're trying to use, you know, like the, an EA approach of like the single player is just really training for the the PVE that we want you to be doing long term. Like there was a moment, uh, I'm going to speak very generally, toward the end of the game where I needed to get resources in order to progress, and one of the resources I I couldn't I couldn't find. Like I'm I I know how I'm supposed to get this thing. I'm not getting it. Uh, I've been playing longer than I wanted to at this point. It's becoming frustrating. So I Google, like, where do I get this resource? Uh, and then their information is like, oh, at this place or this place, but this place isn't always available in game. 
So you got to kind of just see if it cycles in for you. So I went to the other place, uh, one or two of them, at least one of them, and played it multiple times, never got it. The other place where people online seem to say you'd be able to get this resource wasn't available for me. And so I'm, I'm just like grind blocked from progressing through the campaign, not because I'm not good enough, but because an, a thing isn't open on my map. Super frustrating. There's another moment where I'm on the, <clears throat> I'm in the hub world, my, my home map. And it's like, oh, you have a faction reward from so-and-so go get it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go get it. And the door won't open for me. But that's all that's on screen as for my HUD for the thing to do is like, this person has a faction reward, go get it. And I'm, I, I'm like, is, am I going the right way? Yeah, that's it. The door just won't open. There's no like, it's locked now. You got to go talk to old Brian first. Like nothing else HUD wise was popping up for me to do. I do like the, you know, sense, detective mode, whatever you want to call it. So-and-so has a faction reward for you. Go get it. I'm like, this is super. So I turned it off restarted, rebooted my computer, went back into it, same thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to talk to everybody on this helicarrier. And I talked to everybody on the helicarrier. And then someone who I wouldn't, they didn't have like a prompt on them. Nothing was pulling me that way. Then it triggered a cutscene. The interior of my ship completely changed. Uh, then I could go get this faction reward. But now also another mission was open. Like it's just... There's a there's so many of those little design um, flaws I would call them or, or just like questionable decisions or like level design because they're reusing assets it seems like a lot it's not necessarily clear where to go without or it wasn't clear for me I should say without like mashing up on the D pad to get the little prompt to tell me where to go which doesn't feel super satisfying because I don't feel like I'm exploring it's just like oh, I need to go here. I can't tell that this terminal is the one I need to interact with versus this one over here. The only way I know is because this one has like a light on it. But then there were multiple times where the thing had the light on it, but I couldn't interact with it. So even that wasn't consistent in what I was supposed to do. And if you think I'm just being my negative Nancy self, I wrote down other stuff <laughs> and I experienced it without getting so annoyed. I glitched completely out of the world multiple times, just fell through space, never died, <clears throat> couldn't go back into the a HUD, couldn't start. I had to force quit out of the game in order to relaunch it. I force quit out of the game on two occasions. It happened to me two additional times in different parts in the same level. Allies consistently not reviving me. I get it. Get good, Christian. Don't die. Oh, I tried to turn it to easy because I just wanted to finish the campaign because I like the story. I like some of the moments. I couldn't. I couldn't go down to easy after I started it in normal. What? Super frustrating. So I had to that used to be the way games were, you know, forever until not too long ago. Well, I like not too long ago better than I like. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I like forever. I and then my allies wouldn't revive me. It's like you have 45 seconds, I'm down, and Hulk's like walking all around the bubble. Like, come, dude, one step left, you're here. One step left. Oh, my God. Hulk is and not a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and not being able to go on difficulty. And then, oh, yeah. And then once I had an on-screen prompt telling me to go to a place that I think it just loaded the wrong thing. For Like, I went to the place, and it, it wasn't it. It just wasn't. I got there, and then, like, I said, you need to go over here. And I never did anything at the other place. I was like, why did you? <sighs> and that, all of that is aside from the fact that this game 
feels very Destiny 1 to me in terms of going back to the same worlds, the same locations. It's like, stand on this thing, defend this orb for 20 seconds as Jarvis does a thing. You know, it's like a lot of that stuff, very limited environments that you're playing in. Except Destiny, even Destiny 1, in my opinion, had some of the best first-person shooting available. And Avengers, in my opinion, is not the best third-person action combat game. So it's just, there are moments of brilliance and moments of like things happening and clicking and everything coming together. But all in all, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I cannot recommend the game to people that are maybe on the fence right now. It's, it falls in the, you know, no, like do not recommend for me personally. It's it's a real bummer. I'm I'm hurt. I'm curious, Trisha, if you spent time with it. I know Jeff, you spent a, a little bit, I think. But do I stand alone on this island? I think IGN review they sum up a lot of my feelings up pretty well. I think I played the beta. I actually streamed the beta after hearing mixed reviews on the beta. But I was like, you know what? I'm a huge Marvel fan. Let's give it a go. Um, I did not encounter the same streaming issues you did, Christian, um, even though I was playing it on PC. But so that didn't impact my feelings. But I just didn't like the beta. I didn't like the feel of the gameplay. I encountered so many bugs and glitches um, that it it made me not want to play the game. Um, Now, that being said, I've heard from people that the actual fully released game is much better than the beta was. Um, One of the things that sat weird with me is that it is the Avengers, but you only ever played as one of them while the other ones just kind of AI ran around you and there weren't really team up moves. And I didn't feel like I was a team with any of the other Avengers. It just, it, it felt very um, clunky and out of place to me in that respect. But again, I've heard that that's a little bit better in the main game. Um, and so a lot of what you were saying, Christian, kind of confirms probably why I haven't picked up the main game yet and made it a priority because I've heard that the story is great. And I'm like, cool, well, I'll just go read what the story is somewhere else then. <laughs> yeah, Instead the story logging through this game where there's like a really tight platforming level and I'm Hulk. Yeah, the story <laughs> is great. And Reef and Chad is saying that, and this is what I've heard from others too, that the combat gets really good like later, like after the campaign, like as you've unlocked for things in the tree. But that feels weird to me. and you never really do interact with the other characters. They'll be with you. Um, but it's seldom that it feels like they help in any real meaningful way. Uh, like there aren't these great team up moves. I think if you were playing with other people, you know, then of course you'd be like Hulk, you're the tank, go over here and do this while, um, as Miss Marvel, I'm doing this and, and that could feel cool, but it does seem like a missed opportunity where even Marvel ultimate Alliance three had those, you know, team up with the AI. You can't switch, characters mid mission you're kind of stuck playing this you know the character you play as and at least in my experience the characters don't like auto upgrade their gear so sometimes i'd be like before i did a mission i'd have to go into every character sub menu and upgrade their gear to make sure that even as my ai person they would have the best equipment they could possibly have which i i could kind of see the pro of that it's like oh we're letting you customize your don't you just can't you just hold a a button down and have it put on best gear you can and then if you want to use your you know like crafting to upgrade the pieces of gear that you have like you then hold down x five times on each piece of gear and yes just holding down left trigger to get best gear is simple but then you're also doing that for six characters yeah 
and going, oh, changing characters, doing this for this, go, tabbing over to gear, doing this other character, oh, using their skill points, going to this other character. And then, the, and I think we've talked about this before. I think another really odd part is, I, I don't know why that, that this was the Destiny game I, that they, they picked to do. It's so weird when like the gear I pick up is like Hulk's veins or like Hulk's spinal cord. <laughs> it's weird. And the I, enemy dropped in the game are great. Spinal cords, dude. <laughs> yeah, he needs. He needs. What's weird about that? Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I, I yeah, I'll stop because I don't. I, I want to like it. It makes me sad. Well, I think the the good news is that we solved a mystery here tonight, and it is that it was absolutely your fault that you couldn't stream because uh, Trisha. I don't doubt that. I do not doubt that <laughs> somehow. I can manage to get every other game to work just fine with Wavelink and OBS. And I do not doubt that I'm doing something wrong. I have a new CPU I mean, too, but I'm, I'm just saying, according to Trisha, it could not have been easier and a trained monkey could have done it. That is yeah. not so, what I said. <laughs> I, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. I don't to know be fair, Jeff, I have always referred to myself as an untrained monkey. So I am <laughs> okay with that. <laughs> uh, well, that is unfortunate. I, I, I'm definitely on the... Um, you know, I've said it before on the show that I, I've tried to embrace more of the follow the fun. And while I did spend my 60 hard-earned dollars on uh, Avengers right when it came out and was so excited about it, I have followed uh, a different path because the fun does not lead to the Avengers for me, sadly. I, there, Like you said, Christian, there are moments of brilliance and I have not even gotten as far as you, but um, there were too many missions where it's like, okay... We're taking a break from that wonderfully cool scripted stuff that we were doing for a while. Let's have you played this other kind of game where you have to, you know, play this grindy kind of deal. And I'm just like, I don't want to do that right now. I'm, and then I just never come back. So um, that's been my experience with Avengers too. Hopefully, maybe it's a game that'll get patched and patched and patched and be awesome at some point. I still have, you know, I still have, um, whatchamacallit, what's the other game? It's the mech game that uh, we're all hoping gets better. <laughs> What's it called? Oh, Titanfall? No, not oh, Titanfall. No, no, no. Anthem, Anthem. Anthem, yeah. I was like, it's a yeah, this... game. I still have Anthem. I still have high hopes for Anthem someplace on my hard drive. <laughs> but... this is, yeah, this feels like Anthem to me in, in, in many ways, where it's like, again, Anthem had moments of brilliance, I think. Like that first time, even in the main game, the first time you take off and you're flying, you're like, this is incredible. And then your flying HUD runs out and you're like, what the crap? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, let me get into my playlist and uh, tell you about a game that I have fallen madly deeply in love with. Uh, Christian, if you were to create like a mad scientist concoction of all the elements that are made specifically for me, for Jeff Kanata to love a thing, what would they be? They'd be. Would it be, would it be a game I texted you about? Like, hey, yes. I think you. This game? No, no, but okay. So, what would those elements be? They'd be, uh, they'd be. It would be probably a, a role playing game, right? Like isometric map that you have to move around on. Uh, there'd probably be um, uh, some roguelite elements to it. There would be turn based combat for sure. Uh, there be. would probably be some cards, some card aspect of collecting cards and manipulating cards. Uh, there'd be a, a strong and interesting story um, exploration. Uh, it, it, but how could you make one game that had all of those things in one? Well, ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to Star Renegades, 
which is a game uh, that just came out and I, I think is absolutely brilliant and amazing. Um, holy smokes, I, am I in love I with this game. And I was like, the pixel art looks br- like that's the for me. The pixel art and the soundtrack looked like this is so for me. And then I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, no, no, no. I got to text Jeff immediately <laughs> about this game. Dude. You're right about the pixel art. It's gorgeous. The, you're right about the soundtrack. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I dig the writing of this game. So this is a turn-based RPG, like JRPG-style game, but is also a roguelite where you are doing multiple runs and building up your resources and buying things between runs and trying to get the coolest team, the most powerful team, to get farther and farther and farther. Um, and it's it's a sci-fi storyline. There's a story to it too that is actually, I think, you know, it's not Shakespeare, but I think it's pretty well written and it's fun. It's got some tongue-in-cheek fun characters. It's in on its own jokes. It's 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 really well put together. It seems like a labor of love, but ultimately, what makes this game magic and completely addictive for me is the combat system, which is just sublime. So one of my favorite JRPGs of all time is a game called Grandia 2. And the reason I love Grandia 2 is it had this thing that I don't know why more games didn't rip off. Uh, I know some games have done versions of it, but Grandia 2 had this meter at the top of the screen every time you got into a fight that had little portraits of all the people that were fighting, your characters, the enemy characters. And it showed you the order in which they were coming up, their turn was coming up. And you could do certain attacks that would knock them back farther down along that track so that you could have, you could put off the enemy's turn farther and farther by doing things that would force them to uh, be delayed. And so you could actually kill off certain enemies before they even got a chance to fight you. And it was just really fun. You got to strategize in ways to to manipulate the, the turn order where the turn order was this wonderful lever of power where you really got to actually um, dominate by focusing on that. Well, Star Renegades does that too and does it really, really well. In fact, the thing about Star Renegades that I find so incredible is that it gives you so much information all the time to make decisions. And so you constantly have these beautifully juicy decisions to make in combat, in upgrading your characters. Every turn, every every step of the way in this game, it is empowering you, the player, to make the best decisions, the coolest, interesting, most juicy decisions that you can make. And that to me is what, what I love, especially about turn-based games, but really about any video game is like, what cool decisions can I make and how they can play out and have ramifications to how I play? Well, in combat, you have a number of players or characters in your party. They have attacks and defenses. They have a, 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 an, um, a, uh, uh, an order in which they are situated. A What's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're, there's a front line and a back line. So they have a, a set situation that affects how they're attacked and who they can attack. And you are queuing up these uh, either, you know, direct attacks or special attacks. And it shows you before you select the attack, how it will affect the turn order, how it will affect that track where it will. So 
Perhaps if you queue up a special attack that does a lot of damage, it will do a lot of damage, but it will take so long to go off that it will put you after an enemy. But what you want to do is hit the enemy and knock them back along that track, forcing them to get completely knocked off the back end of that track, which will trigger something called a break, which means they don't even get to take their turn this round. And you can use that to manipulate how things happen. Or you can, you want to switch between the different characters on your team. So you go, okay, well, if I have that person do a certain attack, that will allow another character on my team to go sooner or later because now it changes up the order in which everybody moves. So I'll be able to sort of combo the timing of how everything reacts so that I can prevent damage from happening to me or I can heal someone before the bad guy attacks because I also know the attack that the bad guy has queued up because Star Renegade shows me all the information about what the char- the char- your characters are going to do, what the bad guys are going to do. It'll tell you if your characters are going to do a kill shot, if, it's, it's, if it should kill off one of the uh, bad guy characters you're fighting, if um, it should break them and, and force them not to have a, uh, a turn this round. All of that information is displayed to you before you make any of your decisions. So you can plot it all out and, and come up with the, the soundest strategy, the best tactics to attack the fight. It is so much fun and so chunky and it has so many wonderful decisions to execute this really wonderful strategy. And for most turn-based JRPG games like this, the layers of strategy honestly aren't that complex. And I don't know how, how many of these types of games you two have played, but for me, I rarely ever use like the defend command, you know, or only in the direst of situations will I ever have characters defend because you almost never need to in these games. With Star Renegades, I'm constantly using the defend because I know exactly the ramifications. I know which characters are being targeted by which bad guys, when those bad guys are going to go off. I know how much damage the bad guy is going to do on their turn. And I can go, oh, okay, I can use one of my characters as a tank and actually absorb a lot of this energy, have them defend so they minimize the the, uh, impact of all that damage. Plus, because it's a sci-fi game, all my characters have health, but they also have shields and armor. And the shields replenish after every fight. The health does not. The health is an ongoing resource, like any roguelite game, where you have to manage the health over the entire run so that your characters don't die because that would be very, very bad. You don't, they don't come back. They don't, their health doesn't come back unless you can heal them. So I know like, okay, I can manage the shields here. And this person has enough shields to absorb that damage. They can work as a tank. It's just all of these chunky, interesting decisions all the time in every combat, every single turn is interesting, is dynamic. This game is so well-designed it blows me away. And I haven't even got to the other systems in the game, which are like this card-based system where, so you have you have this over map uh, and you go into these runs, you go into these planets and you have uh, a number of charges of, uh, of your little AI robot guy, which basically means a, a number of fights that you can get into before it goes to the night cycle. So it has a day and night cycle. You can only fight during the day. At night, you can kind of collect things and get yourself situated, and then you camp. And you only have a certain number of days before you have to fight the big bad. 
So you're trying to do as much stuff on this overmap, collect as many resources, open chests, get new gear, power up your team, level up your team, and then you'll fight the big bad. So, and, and then when you go into the night cycle, you camp and you have these cards that you've collected over the course of the fights. You've, you've, you've looted them from bad guys. You found them in chests. And then you can apply the cards in camp to get certain effects, heal your characters, uh, get certain bonuses for the next series of fights on the next day. But also all the cards have this relationship modifier that creates relationships between your team. And if you create friendships between members of your team, it unlocks even more powerful attacks that they can do together. So many cool decisions to be made. So you go, okay, well, how am I going to use this card? I only have a certain number of cards that I can use per camp. How am I going to allocate that? What friendships can I create? And then when you level up your characters, the leveling system is really cool. It's not that you level up an, an individual character uh, from experience. No, all of the experience that you get is actually a resource that you can allot however you want. So you have this resource called DNA that you collect from successful fights, and you can use it to buy levels, but you don't have to buy levels for all your team. You can just decide you want to level up one of the characters three times and none of the other characters. So be it. You, you can use that resource however you want. Again, empowering the player, creating interesting decisions, making this these cool, chunky, tactical decisions at every turn that have big ramifications on how you play. And also, Christian, the game has a full nemesis system. So all of the bad guys that you fight are tracked. They remember you. Beating them or not beating them has ramifications. You see which bad guys are on the map at any given time in any given planet. There's just so many cool systems. This game is seriously one of my favorite games of the year. It's called Star Renegades, and I'm in love with it. So one comment, and it's on Game Pass, which I think, yeah. it, it, you know, we, we plug it a lot on this show, and, and this is why. it And this is why we talk about it more than PlayStation Now. A new, hot, one of your favorite games of the year is out on it day and date. Question, is it better because of the roguelike implementation or... Do you think it'd be better if it was more a standard RPG um, story progression? That's a really interesting question. Why did you ask it? Because what turned me off of the game is the roguelike element. And like Scourgebringer, Scourgebringer is a game I talked about, I think, the beginning of the year. It's an early access right now, also on Game Pass. And it's kind of a Celeste meets... Um, it's like slashing more than Celeste, but like it has that aesthetic to it. And I was immediately drawn to it. I loved the art. I loved the sound. I loved the the flow of the game, but the roguelike version of it turned me off of it. Cause what I liked about Celeste and Mega Man before that is practice makes perfect. And I find that in roguelikes, I, I can't, <laughs> you know, it's frustration meets lucky. And I'm curious how that kind of plays out in this style of gameplay for you. It's interesting that you asked that because this is something I was actually going to bring up because as much as I love roguelites and as much as this, you know, as I, I brought this up as a, as a potpourri of all these individual things that I love in other games brought together in one game, I do think this is the one part that I think I would leave out if I were going to redesign this game in any way. You know, I think the roguelite aspects of this game work really well and it's, it's cool because you unlock new characters, 
You can outfit your team in new and different ways. You can level up your team in different ways. There's variety and randomness in the kinds of things that you can level up, the kinds of power-ups and upgrades you'll get, the gear you'll loot. All of that stuff provides a lot of variety. But yeah, I think it's interesting that you asked that because I did have that sense of like, this story is interesting enough. This world is cool enough. These maps are awesome and I'm, I'm exploring them. Yes, the exploration stuff is kind of thin. There's not a lot to it. But if this was more of a straight role-playing game where I'm exploring this world, I'm going from A to Z instead of A to A to A to A to A to A to, ooh, I got A to B. Ooh, now I'm A to B, A to B, A to, ooh, I got to C. You know, that's how roguelites are, right? Is that you're, you're doing the same thing over and over and over until you're powerful enough to get to that next tier. And then you go, oh, I'm, I'm beating my head against that wall. There's a lot of fun to that's that. How my kids play piano, by the way, and they often make like, do the next year because then they're beating their head against a wall. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do think this game might even be stronger if if it was just a straight up role playing game. Because, like I said, the writing, the universe, the fiction is really cool. There's like all this stuff about alternate realities and meeting yourself in different timelines and like really fun, interesting, cool stuff. I do think maybe I would enjoy it more if it was a straight up role playing game. If if I when I get to the next planet, I didn't lose all the upgrades that I'd gotten. You know, if I was literally just building characters more and more powerful, more and more interesting, I do think it might even be cooler. But but boy, it's hard to criticize this game because it is it's just so fun. That's awesome. I'm glad you're enjoying yeah. it. it. It's it's really great, Jeff. I love how much you're loving this game. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a total surprise to me. I didn't have this game on my radar at all. Uh, I I just um, I was just blown away by it. I I turned it, honestly. I will say this: if you download Star Renegades on Game Pass or or on Steam for that matter, um, it, it I don't think it presents it's it does it has a really cool tutorial. It's not that the tutorial is bad, but I don't think you kind of grasp, or at least I didn't grasp what makes it special in the first hour. Like I did, I, I was like, I don't, I kind of don't get this game. I don't see what this, what's it even telling me about break? Cause it uses a lot of this verbiage, you know, you get to break and you'll crit and you'll do this stuff. And I was like, I don't get this stick with it because I think it, it unfolds like a beautiful flower. And you, once you grok it and you go, Oh, Oh, I see what I'm supposed to. I see why I would choose this attack instead of this attack. I get it. And it's all has to do with that top bar, that top meter that shows you when things are going to happen, because that just becomes this wonderful lever that you get to play with. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend Star Renegades. If you like turn-based a- action games, turn-based strategy games at all, it's fantastic. All right. I know I talked a lot about that. I do also want to mention Kingdoms of Amalur, The Re-Reckoning, which I also played. I played, we reviewed Kingdoms of Amalur originally on back on the Totally Rad show you know, a thousand years ago. Uh, and it's a game I really like. I think it's a game that is underrated. Uh, it's a game that's a victim of all of the weird drama that surrounds it because it was created by a company that was highly unethical and did some really shady stuff. Uh, but the game itself, I think is really underrated. Uh, the re-reckoning is a, um, as a remaster of the original kingdoms of Amalur, it certainly doesn't make the game look pretty. It's uh, it's still a game that is that is kind of uh, you know rough around the edges visually. It doesn't look great, but man, it is it is still a very excellent game. I 
I jumped into this game and I was immediately reminded why I liked it originally. And that is because it's super streamlined. It's an action role-playing game where every all of the systems, talk about systems, all of the systems in this game are meant to just sort of get you in smoothly, frictionless. Um, you know, you can be any class at any time, all the time, right? You want to be, do some magic, do some magic. You want to do some stealth, do some stealth. You want to do, you want to fight and use a shield, whatever you want to do. Anytime, all the time, it's no big deal. Go for it. Knock yourself out. It's, um, the inventory system is really smooth. The talking to NBCs is really simple and clear and really smooth. It's, it's just, it does role-playing in a very accessible way. And I think it's great. I think it's a really fun game. I, I hope more people get a chance to try it. I just wish it didn't look so dated. It still looks very dated, even with this re-reckoning version. Uh, and it supports ultra-wide, which I appreciate. But I think it uh, supports it by just zooming in, <laughs> which is a little unfortunate. Uh, kudos to them for even uh, supporting ultra-wide resolutions. But uh, the zooming in thing, I was like, I think they're just cutting off everyone's head <laughs> by zooming in. Uh, but that's Kingdoms of Amalur, the Re-Reckoning, which I think is really w- worth playing. I mean, it's a hard time to recommend a game like this because there's so many other huge things coming out. But uh, it deserves people's attention. It's it's not a bad game at all. And Jeff, what platform did you say you were playing that on again? Kingdoms of Amalur on PC. Okay. Yeah, on my ultra-wide monitor. All right. Um, I think that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Trisha Hershberger, oh my gosh, it's always a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'll come on and chat games with you two anytime. This has been an absolute bright moment in a world that can feel very dark right now. So thank you. Indeed. Well, it was bright for us. And, and be careful what you offer because I'll be calling you every every weekend. If it's <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> uh, tell people where they can keep up with you and all the wonderful things you do online. Um, you can find me online at that girl Trish with no I in the girl. So it's just that GRL Trish and uh, most of the socials pretty much everywhere except for YouTube and Twitch where I'm Trisha Hirschberger. Full name. Couldn't get the same branding all across, unfortunately. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, I stream to Twitch four days a week and port some stuff over to YouTube. Mostly you'll find me making content around technology and video games and sometimes tabletop games as well. I currently yeah. post uh, a lot of the content that lives on Newegg, the DIY and Five series for Kingston, the uh, Gaming Loop series for Fandom, and uh, and yeah, I'm I'm kind of lucky enough to get to put my hands in a lot of different content studios productions and play in a lot of different ways that I love. So from video games to tabletop games, um, all the way around to PC modding, I, I get to talk about the stuff I'm passionate about, and I think that's a, re- a real blessing. It's only because you are the best of the best, Trisha. You're awesome at what you do. You are so very kind. And Jeff, I miss you dearly. I miss getting to work with you regularly. So when all of this calms down, we need to do that again. 100%. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Well, I'm just going to be waiting on my text from Trish that's like, hey, the Newegg 3080, 3090 pre-order links are up. Like, whenever that is, I'm kind of sitting on my hands waiting for those uh, texts and DMs to come my way. No big deal. Um, <laughs> you got it. You got it. Perf, perf, perf. Uh, this week, I would say I'm going to be streaming 9 to 11, but I, that's the thing. As I was disappointed by Avengers, I am going to put more time into the end game. So we'll see. 
but then I hope to move on to the Mario games when they uh, show up at my door. I'm very excited about that. And Twitch, which one are you going to start with? Which one first? Which one, Christian? Sunshine. Ooh. It's the one I haven't. I've only I haven't played in the longest amount of time. Um, mm. And I will be listening to. Is it Ray? If you steal my sunshine, what's the name of that band? You steal my sunshine. It's uh, no because with L, uh, Len, right? Len. Len. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Anyway. Um, Twitch is uh, twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer and then Twitter's the best way to kind of see like hey I'm not today <laughs> I think the last stream that's up other than like this show is like me logging in to play Avengers and someone being like hey man I feel bad but the audio is crappy and me being like damn really stopping stream <laughs> that's all there is um, and Twitter is at Spicer and you dear listeners can go to vote.org to make sure you are registered to vote and look into um, voting by mail and all that good stuff. They are a nonpartisan, um, not-for-profit organization. Oh, and the other thing, this happened since we talked last week, I'm putting my body uh, for science. I am part of the Pfizer uh, COVID vaccine trial. Um, Got my first shot last Tuesday. I get my next one at the end of the month. Um, apparently the only superpower it gave me is not being able to stream audio from Avengers. <laughs> so we got to list that as a side effect. It's very useful information. You got to, you got to list it, but, um, <laughs> you know, that is, uh, that's what's going on, man. So I, I feel get, like uh, if uh, I did that, I, I, I admire you for doing that. Clearly it's a heroic act. No, no, no exaggeration. It is a heroic act to do that. Um, but I feel like if I did that, I would constantly have, uh, um, psychosomatic <laughs> symptoms, you know, because of the, what is that? Oh, I, I can't, I don't think I can feel my foot. I don't think I can feel my foot. Is that the, because I got the vaccine? I, well, I, I think I would be the worst. Mine's the other way. We're like, I, so they're doing it the way you do science and there's a, it's a double blind and half the people in this group would be getting the placebo. And I got the shot and I, you know, it's an injection, right? So I feel the shock going, my arm was a little sore when I got it, but then like, the next day, it didn't even feel like I got a flu shot. I'm like, oh, placebo. I'm in the placebo <laughs> group. So now I only lick handrails like once a day versus I was going to be licking them. But now, yeah, I just, it's like, it's, it's super smoky here. So I'm like, my nose is stuffy. Yep, placebo, not the shot. <laughs> like, it's just everything. <laughs> everything is the other way. It is wild when I was reading all like the, you know, terms. and It's like we're, we're doing grouped phase two, phase three, because everybody's trying to get these things done as fast as possible. And it's like prior to this stage, we have tested it on around 300 people. And it's like, what, what, what? I'm like the 301st person potentially to put this thing in my body. Uh, let's do it. Um, but so far, and I was also got, <laughs> I also got it. I went in the exact same day that the Oxford study delayed, announced their pause. And I was like, oh God, what am I doing? Well, but I it was the longest time I had been inside with a, not my house since March. It was it's weird. The world is weird. Um, the world is weird. But what about you, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> what about me? Well, I, uh, I'm using my body just for regular old dumb old body stuff. For turkey burgers. Um, turkey burgers, yeah. Oof, I had some turkey burgers tonight. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, you can actually order a limerick. I, I'm, I'm actually a, uh, a professional poet now. I don't know if you know this, Tricia. But I, uh, I'm on Cameo, and I'm selling limericks on Cameo. I do that 
on the Slash Filmcast, where you can hear me talk about movies and TV shows as well. We review movies, and every week I do a limerick movie review. And uh, people got it into my head that uh, it might be fun for others to get my limericks. And so I can write you a personalized limerick, should you desire, for any occasion. Uh, I've done anniversaries, birthdays. I did a scavenger hunt limerick today. Uh, I've done the announcement of a child. Uh, I've done all kinds of crazy stuff, all in limerick form. So if you want to do that, check me out on Cameo, um, cameo.com slash Jeff Canada. Uh, I also have um, some other podcasts for you. I do a show called We Have Concerns, which is a comedy science show uh, where you can learn something new and laugh along the way. I also do uh, a show called The Dungeon Run, which Trisha used to work on as well. We love working together. Uh, it's a long-form uh, Dungeons & Dragons show. Uh, you can find that uh, anywhere you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can find it on YouTube as well. In fact, we just did a 20 minute recap video to catch you up. If you want to jump in, if you think there's too many episodes to catch up, we did a 20 minute recap video that brings you all the way up to episode 63. So if you want to check that out, you can find it on YouTube. It's called a simple recap, uh, or you can check out us, uh, check us out live on Wednesday nights, 6 PM Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's, uh, let's end the show now with our parting gifts. Trisha Hershberger, do you have a uh, a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I mean it, it's not for everyone, but if you like anti-hero superhero stuff, The Boys season two is fantastic. Um, like I said, I know it's not always for everyone because it is a rather violent show. It's rather in your face shock value quite a bit, but I find it incredibly thought provoking and season two is fantastic. Highly recommend. All right. That's the boys season two. I think, was that on Amazon prime streaming? I think, right? Yeah. Very, very cool. Christian Spicer. How about you? You got a parting gift? It might be a repeat. I don't know. We made comfort, uh, snickerdoodles today as we were staying inside avoiding, you know, being man, it was like, we have a swing. The kids are like, can I go outside for my 10 minutes of outside time now, dad? It's just like, what a wonderful world. (laughs) Um, We made snickerdoodles and they're so good. Like chocolate chip. I get it. I get it. White chocolate chip, macadamia nut, craisin. I get it. I get it. Oatmeal raisin. I don't get it. Snickerdoodle though. Mm, Perfect. They're done right. They're chewy when you bite into it. That soft first bite. Make some snickerdoodles. That's that's my parting gift. They're so good. I like them. I like them snickerdoodles. They're very very good. Uh, do you get like a fave snickerdoodle recipe, or you just you know just doodle the snake? What do you do? I, yeah, just Google a doodle and make it. Google a doodle. Uh, I don't think All you right. can go wrong. the The key, in my opinion, is to under bake. They're always going to be a little bit soft, but if you under bake, they're perfect. My uh, parting gift is a show that I've been enjoying. It's on Apple TV Plus. It's called Ted Lasso, or Lasso, Ted Lasso. Um, I haven't mentioned this one before, have I, Christian? I don't think I have. Uh, this Not is that a, I know. Show, a show uh, with um, Jason Sudeikis as a an American football coach who travels to Europe and takes over for a uh, British football club. So it's uh, it's football to soccer, or but or really football to football. Um, and the first episode of the show, I was like, ooh, I this, I, this is not good. Uh, but 
by episode three, I was like, I think this might be one of my favorite shows on right now. It, it's amazing the turnaround. That, do not judge the show by its first episode. Uh, episode two is great. Episode three really solidified it for me. Now I really love it. And the, the reason I love it is so many shows right now are about that sort of cynical, um, insulting humor where it's just how awful can we be to each other? How, how wry and, uh, and cutting can we be to each other? Ted Lasso is about a guy who's just a good dude. It's just a nice, decent, good guy who's actually pretty good at what he does. And that's where the humor is mine. The humor is mine from a genuine, honest, good man. And it's like, wow, what a breath of fresh air on television. It just does, just don't have that anymore. And I find it delightful. So I highly recommend Ted Lasso. It's on uh, Apple TV+. We also have a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. It comes from Mace. Mace says, hello, DLC crew. I have a parting gift in relation to the new slash old Tony Hawk release. If you're of a certain generation before digital became popular, then you may have a stack or case of CDs hiding away somewhere. Go through them. I finally got around to looking at that stack of CDs I've carried from one home to another and then another. And it turns out there's lots of fun nostalgia to be found just like listening to those old Tony Hawk Pro Skater tracks again. Among them were some songs that once meant the world to my wife and myself, but had faded away over the last 15 years. We spent a great night remembering some of the amazing times we've had because those old songs just grabbed that chain of memories. Have a great day and stay safe. Thanks for all you do, Mace. Thanks, Mace. I, I kind of guess that uh, that go, falls in line with your Len recommendation, Christian. Uh, you Len steal my sunshine. Yeah, would, would be one of those old CDs I have. I got rid of all my CDs a long time ago, and I kind of regret it. But man, I just had so many, and they were taking up so much space. I was like, I'll never need these. And now I can't even remember half the stuff that I loved. That's fine, Jeff. All you need is Prince in the Midnight, and you're good. It's true. That's all my kids listen to is Prince in the Midnight. <laughs> so, uh, man, the Midnight's new album. I think it might be their best album, Monsters. I think it might be their best. Anyway, uh, thank you, Mace, for that suggestion. If you have a parting gift suggestion, you can send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love getting those. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Trisha Hirschberger and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to the folks in our chat room for hanging out with all of us in real time. Uh, Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those awesome bumpers. Thank you to each and every one of you for downloading the show and listening. We appreciate you. Stay safe. Vote.org. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.